Hey friends, I've got a solo show for you here today. I I'm going to share some thoughts as we slide by the fifth anniversary of Geological. The first episode of the podcast aired at the end of August in 2017. I'd gotten more than a few emails from practitioners telling me how much they liked my previous podcast experiment. That was Everyday Acupuncture. And it was surprising to me because I didn't make that podcast for acupuncturists. Everyday Acupuncture was aimed at the general public. So Geological was an inquiry into seeing if acupuncturists and East Asian medicine practitioners might enjoy a podcast that went more deeply into the medicine that we share. And it turns out, yes, as we're coming up on about 300 conversations now. If you've been a longtime listener, you'll know that the podcast has been through a few iterations in terms of finding a sustainable financial model that allows me to bring you these conversations on acupuncture and East Asian medicine on a weekly basis. Podcasting is a way of publishing and connecting, and it doesn't quite lend itself to the previous media models of business and distribution. So first of all, thanks for sticking with the podcast as we discover just what this new Gutenberg Press is all about. Starting today, the podcast is again freely available to all and will carry sponsorship advertising in each episode. This includes the conversations that previously were exclusively for members of the podcast. Just like the content of the conversations here are geared to the student or practitioner of oriental medicine, so too our advertising is selected with an eye towards products and services that will be helpful to you in your clinical work. Please consider doing business with the sponsors who make it possible for you to enjoy Geological. And if you've got a company, a school, or a service, and you'd like to get your message into the 30,000-plus downloads we have each month, do reach out to us here at Geological for a media kit. Additionally, if you'd like your podcasts served up ad-free and get access to our new curated collections, then join us with a monthly or annual membership. I've had many requests over the years for a way to listen to the podcasts that are all related or grouped together by topic. So now members of the podcast can get access to collections on Japanese acupuncture, research, listening in the use of language, and Sa'am acupuncture. And this is just a start, and we'll be adding more collections as time goes on. You can visit the website for details and to sign up if you'd like to do that. I've been rebuilding the back end of the website over the past few weeks as I've gotten ready to turn Geological back into a podcast that will be free for everyone to listen to. And it's given me an opportunity to see and listen to portions of the many conversations from over the past five years. And it's left me with a heart swell of gratitude and appreciation to the guests who have shared knowledge, skill, wisdom, and humor. I don't think there's a conversation that did not in some way give me a new perspective when it comes to medicine. Practicing medicine is a curious thing. Perhaps you too have noticed that the more you learn, the more questions you have. It is, as the Chinese say, the sea of learning is endless. This raises a question in my mind of how to navigate a life and career where I'm constantly invited to reevaluate and reconsider 
what I think I know, to stay open enough to new information so that I might notice something I've overlooked and be solid enough in my methods that I'm not thrown to the wild every time something comes along that I don't understand. In episode number 238 with Celia Hildebrand, she was talking about Wei Qi and the Wei Qi being a a kind of a sensing organ and energy at the periphery that helps us to sense whether or not something might be helpful or harmful, that our Wei Qi can sense the sticky damp of people who have boundary issues due to their excess earth. It can sense when you're being lied to or there's malicious intent. If something or some relationship might be nourishing or where you need to steer clear. Understanding Chinese medicine can be tricky. We are taking ideas from another time, language, and culture, and imagining how they express in our current day. I'm always reluctant to say that, oh, the ancients meant dot, 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 fill in the blank, because I'm not a scholar. But as a practitioner, you and I have the opportunity to puzzle through East Asian medicine concepts and see how that might be expressing in our world today. I found that it requires being able to lean a little bit more on inquiry than uncertainty. So when Celia suggested that the Wei Qi, as it is involved with the exterior, could be seen as a kind of a sensing organ, that got my attention. So often, many of us associate the Wei Qi with the Western immune system, and it does have reflections there, but that conversation sparked in me the sense that our Wei Qi can be used with some kind of intention as a sensing organ, a way of attending to the periphery and boundaries. It's a Qi that sets up an early warning flare of danger. After all, the Wei Qi circulates through the Taiyang, and the Taiyang is associated through the urinary bladder with deep knowing water, and fear as well. Fear certainly has its place in keeping us safe and out of dangerous situations, that's for sure. Likewise, the Taiyang connects with the small intestine fire organ. Fire is the element of communication, and so again, we see how the outer surface of the energetic body protects us with communication and a connection to the heart. Often in a podcast conversation like this one, I'll get a glimpse or a flash of insight. It rings true, but then I need to do the work of seeing how this might actually fit into my practice. This is where we have an opportunity to consider the constructs and ideas that we've acquired about Oriental medicine and to learn something about our medicine through our own experience. It's a process of refinement, of distillation, to take something from the classics or something that a long-dead doctor talked about and see how that might be playing out in our own lives and practice. Taking the words of practitioners of the past as gospel and to think that we see what they saw, mm, I don't know, I, I suspect there's some hubris there. Even trying to understand how people saw our world 50 years ago in our own culture, that's a challenge that many of us fail at. Thinking we understand and can think along the same lines as what ancient people from another time and another culture thought, mm, well, the jury's out on that one for me. 
And at the same time, the thoughts and ideas of the ancients can strike a resonance with us here in the present. How we discern what's true and useful, that's a question I puzzle on all the time. I think it is one of the reasons I found conversation to be such an essential part of learning and practicing medicine, because it helps to have others around to polish up my understanding. And it helps if those relationships have enough trust and connection so I can be witnessed in working an idea that doesn't actually hold water and that I've got support while in the midst of puzzling out something that I'm in the throes of wrestling some meaning out of. Having a supportive community of practitioners to help us along the way is so vital to our development. We learn not just from books or our patients, but also from each other. It's how the medicine of the past becomes alive in the moment. And it's the catalytic power of inquiry that fuels everything that we do here at Geological. I feel fortunate to be alive in a time where cultures mix, blend, and create greater connection and opportunities. I'm struck by how the seeds of East Asian medicine have found fertile ground here in the West, that we have both traditions that renew themselves and new perspectives that we as Westerners have found for ourselves. This gives us the opportunity to add to the treasure house of the medicine and methods that are ours to practice. There's something else here, and, and this is something that's been bothering late me. It tugs at my heart in a way that I, I wish I could ignore, but I can't. It's something I've been hearing from students and, and maybe newer practitioners, and it kind of breaks my heart. I've been hearing this idea that we are inappropriately taking something from Chinese culture if we're non-Chinese as we practice this medicine. And I could not disagree more. Unless you're wearing the title of acupuncturist as a fetish, but it's hard for me to imagine enduring the years of acupuncture score required just to do that. And if you do feel like you're inappropriately using the medicine, then I would invite you to take a closer look at your own heart. Because if you feel like you're taking something unfairly, then I suspect you've not really put your heart into the medicine. Yes, this is a medicine that has its roots in another time and perhaps in a different place from where your ancestors came from. But if you really are taking in this medicine, learning it, practicing it, adding to it, using it with skill and effectiveness to help others, then you're not stealing from the culture. You're adding to it. It has nothing to do with the color of your skin or the ancestry of your DNA. If you love East Asian medicine enough to let it flow through your life and you've gained the skill and more importantly, the ability to help others, then it's not appropriation. That's initiation. If you think you're stealing something or you think you'll never quite measure up because your culture of ancestors had little to do with Asia, then you're cutting yourself off from the powerful medicine that is yours to practice. And what's more, you're severing yourself from the spirit that has come down through time that can sustain you through the challenges of being a doctor. 
I know this might sound harsh if you have your identity wrapped up in being politically correct for this moment in time, but seriously, if you want in on this medicine, then put your heart fully into it. With all due respect, learn from those who are willing and capable of teaching you, and don't let your ideology get in the way of being fiercely present to the needs of your patients. Don't let your ideas of how you think the world should work get in the way of listening to what your patients need for healing that might not jibe with your beliefs. We are here to be of service. And while if you're from the West, you probably grew up with the golden rule of treat others as you yourself would like to be treated, consider that when practicing medicine, it might be more helpful to treat others as they would like to be treated. You're not misappropriating anything if you've truly put your heart into it. And finally, I received a copy of Benet Brown's Atlas of the Heart as a gift. Whenever I get a new book, be it bought or borrowed, I like to open it at random, take in the first paragraph that my eyes land on. Here's what I got. Choosing to be curious is choosing to be vulnerable because it requires us to surrender to uncertainty. We have to ask questions, admit to not knowing, risk being told that we shouldn't be asking, and sometimes make discoveries that lead to discomfort. I'd like to say this is what I've built my life on, but I did not have that kind of courage at a younger age. It has been through this practice of East Asian medicine that I have come to trust and lean on curiosity. Over the years, I've had to learn to surrender certainty for presence, opinion for empathy, and to realize that solutions are highly contextual and unique for any given individual at any moment in time. In our work, we are ever seeking at what is true because it helps us know where and in what way to apply some pins. We are ever in a conversation with our patients, and while words can make a big difference, it is those little messages and suggestions that we make with needles, moxa, touch, and attention that helps our patients to call forth for themselves the healing that they seek. It's indeed a curious business because while we learn methods from our teachers, and that gives us both perspective and practical tools that allows us to be helpful to others in time, all of that has to ripen into our own understanding. It's like what we get from our teachers is qian tian, pre-heaven qi, and how that matures us as practitioners that is Ho Tian, post heavenly chi. For me, curiosity is the chi dynamic that lends capacity to sitting with uncertainty and being able to take a yes, this is helpful or a no, this is causing obstruction with a gentle sense of, oh, hmm, it's like this when the pulse, complexion, abdomen, or symptom respond to my intervention. Taking feedback without having it churn the story machine. Well, that's a gong fu worth working on. We all bring our own troubles into the work that we do. The archetypical image of the wounded healer, it runs through many cultures. It's both our strength 
and it's our weakness. It provides the fire of inspiration and at the same time reflects the burdens that we have to sort through. It helps when we know the measure of our own difficulties. It allows for a compassion that's more rooted in resonant presence than an arm's length understanding. And again, this is the domain of curiosity. I do hope the conversations here bring you an enlivened sense of curiosity about your work because curiosity is a reliable source of renewal and a trustworthy guide for navigating new territory. As ever, friends, I invite you to wonder often, listen, learn. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. Mm-hmm.